When you're a pro, you got to do a little bit of everything. A little. A little. And even a little. And it helps to have something that works as hard as you do. That's why Valspar has a paint for every job, every room, every time. Valspar. You make it happen, we make it possible. Pros, head to Lowe's today and talk to a pro rep about getting up to 10 free gallons of Valspar through our paint trial program. Exclusions apply. See ValsparPro.com for details. Welcome to Overwatch, the show where you get a unique viewpoint on current events, politics, finance, cybersecurity and trends, prophecy, and the end times, religion, and the paranormal. Airing only on Firefall Talk Radio and the Firefall Network, I'm Richard Grunt. You may not always agree with our point of view, but you will be challenged, informed, and hopefully inspired to do your own research to know more. Tonight we're talking religion, Kanye West, and the church. Now, I kind of surprised you with this broadcast. Originally I was going to try to do them every Sunday night, 7 p.m. in the old Sunday night reflections in the dark time slot. And I just have too much going on to be able to pull that off. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do them as I feel led to do them at whatever time I'm ready to do them. So you need to subscribe to Firefall Talk Radio on Spreaker.com. That way you'll know when a new show has been uploaded or a live broadcast like this one is happening. I felt led to talk about this topic. A lot of people are writing me and asking me what I think. Before I tell you what I think, let's back up and figure out what we're talking about. Back in early October... Rap singer Kanye West stated publicly that he was a born-again Christian and created kind of a ripple effect in both the entertainment arena and the church. He was recently speaking at a new birth missionary Baptist church in his hometown of Atlanta. I think it was back in October. And the reason he was there, Atlanta is where his parents lived when he was born and he considers it his hometown. You know, this isn't the first time that Kanye West has been controversial. Controversy has been a part of his brand, if you will, since he came upon the scene. But back in September of 2009, he made headlines when he stormed the stage at the MTV Video Music Awards, just as Taylor Swift was receiving an award for Best Female Video. It was on all the news feeds. It's become a meme. Um, He jumped up on stage, grabbed the mic, and interrupted her with the now immortal words, Yo, Tala, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce has one of the best videos of all time, one of the best videos of all time. So basically, he stole her moment, 
took it away from her in, in a um, defense of Beyonce. But there was a lot more going on in his mind, his heart and his spirit, and a lot more going on in the background than I'm able or willing to talk about right now. Maybe in the future we will talk about what's really going on in the music industry, um, the secret cabal, the powers that be, and where Jay-Z and Beyonce fit into that. But anyway, back to Kanye. Kanye was promptly kicked out of the event, and when Beyonce won for video of the year later in the evening, she used it as an opportunity to bring Taylor Swift back up on stage and let her finish her speech, which never got done. A few days later, Kanye's on the Jay Leno show, and he says, it was rude, period, I don't try to justify it, I know I was in the wrong, dealing with the fact that I hurt someone or took anything away, you know, from a talented artist or from anyone, because I only wanted to help people. My entire life, I've only wanted to do and give something that I felt was right, and he immediately knew in the situation that it was wrong. Now, whether he immediately knew it or not, or got pulled aside later on, I don't know. But I, I found it very telling that even in the midst of where he is mentally and spiritually at that moment, he states, I only wanted to do and give something I felt was right. Remember that. He did call her and he did apologize. She said he was very sincere as an apology. And I accepted that apology. Well, if you've been following Taylor Swift, you know that she's not real good on forgiveness. And she uses social media to lash out his people. And immediately, a war of words lingered until 2015, six years later. And then it started up again in 2016. And then from there, it went from weird to downright bizarre in the songs and videos that Kanye was putting out, the statements that Taylor was putting out, in 2017, Kanye's wife, Kim Kardashian West, got involved. And, you know, it was really, uh, it was ugly, but it was probably good for business for them. My take on all of it, it was sophomoric. It was ugly, and neither side can claim a victory. Having said that, I've never been a fan of Taylor Swift, and not just because of her music. I've had her pegged pretty much from day one. She's a monster created by her momager, manager, mother. Um, I've heard from people in the Rhode Island area about her, and I see how she can be ugly and vindictive and against former boyfriends and former friends and uses social media and her fan base to deal with it. But here's the thing. We all have closets full of skeletons from our days before we got saved, and some people keep filling them after they got saved. But I brought this up for two reasons. We established with this that Kanye has publicly shown that he is emotional and reactionary. And it's something to note because that it tell, although it tells me his public conversion and actions are to be lauded, we must also wait to see if the change takes root. A garden full of weeds at some point can be beautiful and full of blooms, but it takes time. That being said, the public stance that Kanye West has taken about his new faith must be acknowledged and applauded 
in a time when most Christians in the public eye seem to be backing off or not willing to take a draw-on-the-line stand. He's risking the wrath of the entertainment industry and the powers that be in the background, in the darkness, in the shadows by taking a stand against abortion, pornography, when he was recording his recent Jesus is King album, he requested that all of the artists involved refrained from premarital sex to keep the whole process pure. Now, I've seen some of the talk shows have really, really ripped him up about that, but he didn't care. He was willing to go public with it. Also, we need to add to that his public support of President Trump. And when you look at that with a proper clear-eyed perspective, what you see is that Kanye has placed a target on his back to both natural and supernatural forces. This is one of his quotes about supporting President Trump. They try to tell me because of my color who I'm supposed to pick as the president. You're black, so you can't like Trump. He said, I never made a decision only based off my color. That's a form of slavery, mental slavery. And when we look at him and we look at his past, we look at his life, we look at everything that we know about him from the public eye, there's one thing that we do know. He's lived his sins out in the open for all to see and now throw back at him just like the enemy does. And he's not pulling any punches. You know, the one thing I will add here, if you look at pictures of Kanye West before his conversion, you see a scowling, sad, almost dull-eyed person. When you look at Kanye West after his conversion, you see a man that's smiling all the time and there's a light in his eyes. You cannot ignore that. Something has happened. Something has changed in his life, and he will not hesitate to tell you what that is. In a recent revealing interview with Beats One Radio, he admits that he was introduced to pornography at the age of five. And breaking free of that habit became a major life decision for him. This is what he says. My dad had a Playboy left out at age five. And it affected almost every choice I made for the rest of my life from age five to now, having to kick the habit. He said that in a wide-ranging two-hour interview with Zane Lowe. Going on, he said, it just presents itself in the open like, it's okay, I stand, that it's okay. I stand up and say, you know, it's not okay. When is the last time? You heard anybody in the entertainment industry push back on pornography. Billboard reported that in uh, the review of this particular sit-down, they even said raunchy rhymes have long been a part of Kanye's catalog for much of his career. And the interview took place at his new place of residence, which is on a ranch in Wyoming. The rapper pointed out that his addiction, his sex addiction, increased after the death of his mother 
following a 2007 surgical procedure. And the one thing I noticed, I am not into rap music. Let me just say that. Christian, regular, secular, I'm just not into it. I can deal with a little bit of DC talk and Toby Mac, but it's just, just not my thing. But I did notice that after the death of his mother, to whom he was very close, he began to spiral out of control. His behavior became more bizarre, and he explains that that was a life-defining moment for him. He said, that playboy I found when I was five years old was written all over that VMA's moment, referencing the prior thing I talked about with Taylor Swift. He said, that's such a script out of a rock star's life. Some people drown themselves in drugs. I drowned myself in my sex addiction. Now, when he did this album, Jesus is King, which, I, which I've listened to, again, not my thing, but I just wanted to hear the songs, hear the lyrics, and get the sense of what I was getting from the sound of his voice. If you know, I teach on vibrations and intentions and what comes from the heart. That was a major part of the C Conference this past July here in Orlando. I would, I would love to get a hold of a cymatics device or find somebody that has one of the recent ones and put his old music through and then put his new music through to see what images we come up with. I may try to work on that. So while he's doing this project, he pulls aside all his musicians, all his singers, everybody involved in the project, and he asks them to fast during part of the creative process, also not to partake in any premarital sex. And he immediately received some serious pushback and blowback from the public. His intent, and I agree with it, was to keep the creative process pure with the team locked into the same vision and to build a camaraderie. This is what he said, when people pray together and fast together, the power is increased. Now, this is a, this is a baby Christian. He does have those Sunday services. By the way, he performs, but he doesn't preach. He'll share a little personal message, but the actual preacher is a, is a preacher that travels with him when he does it. Plus, he has his uh, new birth missionary Baptist church preacher as a part of the process. So throughout the interview, Kanye West very boldly, very blatantly talks about the importance of the gospel in his life, saying that his faith was rekindled at his much-publicized psychiatric emergency back in 2016. If you've ever been where he was at that moment, as I have, and the Lord steps in and saves you, heals you, and delivers you, you pretty much do exactly as Kanye has done, as I did, as others who have been what I call radically saved. He credits the Lord for his recovery and the salvation that ensued from it. And he has dedicated his life to the Lord who saved him. Quote, Now that I'm in service to Christ, my job is to spread the gospel, to let people know what Jesus has done for me. I've spread a lot of things. There was a time I was letting you know what high fashion had done for me. I was letting you know what the Hennessy had done for me. 
But now I'm letting you know what Jesus has done for me and that I am no longer a slave. I am a son now, a son of God. I'm free. And according to the song lyrics site Genius.com, other lyrics in the song say, Follow Jesus, listen, obey. No more living for the culture we nobody's slave. Elsewhere in the song, West sings, Even if I take this walk alone, I bow down to the king upon the throne. My life is his. I'm no longer my own. And he's even stated very bluntly and very clearly, his music has moved in an entirely different musical direction. He's announced he's done with secular music. Only gospel from here on out. Now, we we can criticize his lifestyle. We can criticize a lot of things. But having come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God, having come from a very dark, demonic, ugly testimony into the freedom of and salvation and service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I can relate to Kanye. Don't have the platform he has. Don't have the success to risk that he has. But what I do know is that he is risking it all to do what he's doing to get out there and promote the gospel. This past Friday, he did something I have to applaud him for because I have a heart for prison ministry, as does my brother Larry, fellow SRT member. Well, on Friday, November 16th, he took his Sunday service to the inmates at the Harris County Jail. He was accompanied by a 100-member band and choir, and he brought the prisoners to tear, prayer, and praise. He reached out to the jail and asked if he could do it. He did two separate shows, one for the men and one for the women. And he states very clearly at the beginning of both, this is a mission and not a show. And putting his money where his mouth is, he has donated $1 million to prison reform charities. Now, if you follow the news, you understand or you know that his wife, Kim Kardashian West, is very into prison reform charities. She has petitioned President Trump to offer clemency to people that may have been overcharged or overpunished, and he has done that. And no matter what your politics is, I don't want to really get into this, but I have to state the obvious. President Trump has done more for prison reform for the black community and black prisoners especially than any other president before him, including the previous president that for eight years, as a black man, did nothing. Says he no longer cares about fame and money, but he's in service to God. The only superstar is Jesus. He said that this morning at Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church, and the crowd applauded loudly. I would have liked to have seen it because... If you know anything about Joel Osteen, A, you know I'm not a fan. B, he'll tell you he's more of a life coach than he is a pastor or a preacher. And C, the name of Jesus is really not heard a lot in his services. I'm sure they heard it a lot today. Well, during his Sunday appearance, 
West touched on a variety of topics, religion, the perils of fame and money, and going to church as a child. He talked about he used to approach things, telling prisoners that all of that arrogance that people had seen in him, he is now using it for God. And yet when God takes you from where you were to use you, he picks you for a reason. He picks you because he knows what you're going to be. In my case, he knew that when I do everything, I do it with all my heart. And when I sell out to something, I sell out to something. And nothing can dissuade me. And I get that from what Kanye just said. All the arrogance, all the things that the devil used, God is now using. And when the Jesus is King album came out and the word spread about his conversion, reports were that Google searches for the term Jesus and the question, what do Christians believe, spiked in the United States, trending on Thursday, October 24th. When's the last time you heard that? When's the last time you heard Google admit that the term Jesus and what do Christians believe was trending on Google? Thankfully, the American Bible Society has not been like most of the church, wanting to kick Kanye to the curb. They immediately announced that they will send up to 1,000 free Bibles to any Americans curious about the book and the Christian faith having been inspired by Kanye's album and his public statements. We need to stop criticizing and waiting to see the fruit that's born and the harvest that comes. Many people get saved. Many people get excited, and they go out there and they do all those things. And you know in the parable about the seeds, some get washed away immediately, some... Um, never bear fruit at all. Some get a little bit of roots and get washed away, but the ones that dig deep and get deep roots are the ones that hold. Well, we have to give that time. We don't know where he is in his walk. I really don't know what he knows about spiritual warfare or if the people around him know anything about spiritual warfare and what he's up against. He has stated bluntly that Hollywood is in the grip of Satan. He has told his audience especially the fathers, that if you're a father and you see that your neighbor has a child that has no father, then be a father to your neighbor's child. Help each other out in the community. Uh, This is a common sense message that it shouldn't take a converted rapper to tell the church. Well, in a recent blog, evangelist Mario Marullo addressed this. This is what he wrote, and I, and I agreed with it, which made me want to talk a little bit about this. He said, I find it quite ironic. Kanye West has turned his concert into a mission, while the church has turned its mission into a concert. He's winning souls, but getting criticized by believers who won't win souls. Is Kanye's conversion real? Are his motives pure? Does he really know Christ? One honest look at the American church's church makes these questions seem bizarre. These are the very questions the American church should be asking itself and not Kanye. Marula also says America is littered with religious centers that have permitted masses to worship without repenting, 
to believe that they are saved without being converted. Whole congregations are living in outright sin, but they're hearing from the pulpit if you confess your sins. You get God's grace. But wait a second. If you're sinning and telling people to confess, aren't you offending God's grace? That's me, not him. And he says, and we're worried about Mr. West. Some are wondering if Kanye's building an empire in the name of Jesus for personal gain. I found this one interesting myself. That question could be leveled at many celebrity preachers, maybe even your own favorite. We're surrounded by carnal Christian centers built entirely on marketing, smoke, and mirrors who want to question Kanye's substance. Man after my own heart. If you listen to the porch, you know I've said these things many times. I don't know where he is. I would love to be able to talk to him, spend some time with him, pray with him. But that's, you know, that's not my calling. That's up for God to do if that has any purpose in the kingdom. But what I do know is I know how I felt coming out of the occult, coming out of the kingdom of darkness, abandoning my family, having people who prayed for me to get saved. And then once I got saved, spent the majority of their time rejecting me, criticizing me, and trying to diminish me because I didn't fit their mold. And I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to follow what they wanted me to follow. I wanted to be who the Lord wanted me to be. The other thing, and Mario brought it out, and I thought about it too, was Saul of Tarsus. Talk about a man who had a radical conversion and got saved, and the church really wanted nothing to do with him. It took an actual word from the Lord, an outright, verbal, auditory word from the Lord to get somebody to go pray for, for, for Saul, to get the scales off his eyes and make him Paul. The church in Jerusalem initially rejected him. This is nothing new. It may take a few years. It may never happen at all. I don't know. But what I do know, this high-profile conversion, and everyone's rushed to judge or to cash in, remind me so much of, of so many other stories where we should have either been more cautious and we weren't, or we were too critical and we killed the fruit, before it could grow. I'm praying for Kanye. I'm praying for his safety. I'm praying for God to use him. I'm praying for the people that are guiding him to give him the right counsel. And I'm praying he grows in the areas he needs to grow, and he probably still needs deliverance. He and his wife, who has accepted his conversion and gotten baptized herself, have kind of pulled away from Hollywood, pulled away from her family who are not in agreement with it. They're going to need prayer. I remember back in the 80s when I got saved. It was the height of the spiritual warfare movement. It was the height of the church's battle against the powers of darkness, against Satanism, against the infiltration of the schools and, and our children being um, molded, maybe possibly even kidnapped, kidnapped and sacrificed. It was the height of the uh, ritual abuse, satanic ritual abuse movement and all that stuff. And 
um, a, a bit of a witch hunt went on. But during that period of time, the church paraded a bunch of people around claiming that they were ex-Satanist. Mike Warnicke was one. A woman named Laurel Stratford was the other. And a man named Eric Pryor was another. These were in the late 80s, early to mid-90s. I actually spoke to Mike Warnicke a number of times on the phone. We had a mutual friend that connected us and seemed nice enough. But I will tell you the truth. Having come out of the occult, having done everything I've been willing to talk about and put in my books, a lot of what he said just did not resonate with me. It turned out a lot of what he said wasn't even true. As so for the woman, Laurel Stratford, who became the poster child for SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse Victims. She was on Geraldo and Oprah and some other places during that time. And then Eric Pryor is really the one I want to focus on. If you don't know any of these things, go back and look them up. These were people that were paraded across stages. They were used to raise money to fleece the flock. Nobody checked out their story. Nobody vetted them. You know, one of the things we do with SRD that frustrates people that call us for help. We vet their story. We check it out. We look for corroboration. We have them fill out a questionnaire so we know what to ask and what to look for. And many times we find these people really just want somebody to talk to. They want somebody to care about them. They want somebody to listen. But they're not all demonically possessed. They're not all uh, coming out of what they say they're coming out of. Some are, and those are the ones we try to help. But during this period of time, many well-known people that should have known better fell victim to this. Johanna Michelson, Hal Lindsey, Carol Matriciano, who we had on Reflections in the Dark, in their exuberance to expose the enemy, they didn't check out the stories. Lauren Stratford is a really good example of that. She was strongly encouraged to tell her story of Satanism and satanic ritual abuse and all the things that happened to her by Christian author Stormy O'Martian, a fellow survivor of childhood abuse. Filmmaker Carol Matriciana and radio host Joyce Lanford Heatherly. Hal Lindsay, all these people, they, sh- they should have known better. How, you know, if you remember, Carol was a guest on Reflections in the Dark during one of our Occultoberfest. She made a career out of these exposés and these films, producing Halloween, Trick or Treat, and the 13-part series, The Pagan Invasion, and The Godmakers. These people, they had an international reputation. They had a responsibility to themselves, to the flock, and especially to the Lord to check out the stories. But like everyone else, they were deeply concerned about the whole SRA, satanic ritual abuse, occult crimes, Um, all the things that were in the news, all the things that certain speakers out there uh, make a living on. Their hearts were in the right places. I'm not criticizing that. But what I am saying, a little bit of research and testing the spirits would have gone a long, long way. 
because it turned out, when it came to Laurel Stratford, they were endorsing a story that that had absolutely no basis in fact. Another another situation, before I get back to Eric Pryor, the former Satanist that became a preacher, that became a Satanist, that became a New Age guy, and I'm not sure what he ended at before he got hit by a truck. Um, somebody reached out to me recently about a book and an author became to set the captives free and prepare for war by Dr. Rebecca Brown. He Came to Set the Captives Free was written in 1986. Prepare for War, 1987. I got saved in 1988. So it's really hot. It's really popular. Everybody's reading it. When they heard my testimony, oh, you have to read this lady's book. So Pastor Shelley gave me both books, and I took them back with me to New York. And I read them cover to cover. I think I read them over two days. called up Pastor Shelley and said, hey, I've finished your books. He said, what do you think? I said, she's not telling the truth. Nothing she says in here lines up with what I know experientially and from research about the occult and Satanism. And one glaring thing that she has always promoted that also um, Laurel Stratford promoted was, Lauren Stratford, was that Satanism and witchcraft are the same thing. If you're a witch, you're a Satanist, and if you're a Satanist, you're a witch. Now, while we may see that from a spiritual perspective, in that world, witches do not believe that they're Satanists. matter of fact, they do not believe in God or Satan. But they are two distinct branches of the occult. And that was just one of the many things. Her story didn't line up. And there's there's multiple websites that have done the research. I think Cornerstone Ministries checked all the stories, went to all the places, looked into all the records, looked into all the police reports, looked into all the employment records, and found out they didn't line up. You can do it for yourself. But the answers are out there. Let's go back to Eric Pryor. That was the one that I thought about today. Back in the late 80s when I got saved, the spiritual warfare movement, like I said, was at its peak. The church was pushing back on the occult, pushing back on Halloween, taking a public stand. Um, We had Pat Robertson. Um, we had Jerry Falwell. We had a lot of big, high-profile, socially powerful people at that point taking a stand. There was a preacher named Larry Lee who came on the scene, Texas evangelist. And he was holding a prayer breakthrough in an auditorium in San Francisco hosted by Jubilee Christian Center and the Larry Lee Crusade. And they were going after the witches and the cults and the Satanists, all bet. And this guy, Eric Pryor, claiming to be a Satanist, claiming to be the leader of a group of neo-pagans, witches, and Satanists from the area, 
um, stepped out in front of the San Francisco Civic Auditorium and announced that they were going to perform a public binding of evangelist Larry Lee and got himself on the news. So Pastor Dick Bernal, who somehow is connected to Jubilee Christian Center, not sure what his actual connection was. But anyway, he reaches out to Eric Pryor. They set up a meeting, and then he meets with Larry Lee. And lo and behold, in the meeting, Eric Pryor gets saved, renounces uh, Satanism and witchcraft, allows the church to go into his apartment, take all of his occult items, and publicly burn them. And they did with him what they've done with everybody else. They don't allow the roots to grow. They don't disciple them. They don't mentor them. They put them up on stage in a dog and pony show as quickly as possible to raise as much money as possible and to rally the troops. And so for a period of time, Eric Pryor was being put up by uh, Jubilee Christian Center and Larry Lee Ministries, and they were going from church to church, and they were doing crusades to pull down stronghold. They actually reached out to Pastor Shelley saying we'd like to come to Tallahassee. They knew who he was. He was well-known in the spiritual warfare community. And then told him that um, if if they were to come to Tallahassee to do one of their crusades, it would be a down payment of $20,000 and whatever they took in that night. And Pastor Shelley's a lot like me. He says what's on his mind. He told him to take a walk and hung up. Turns out that that's what they were paying was supposedly paying Eric Pryor, and they were keeping the rest, and it became a very lucrative money-making operation until it burned out and crashed and burned. And what groups do with a guy like Eric Pryor is when they're no longer useful to them and when they can no longer use them to make money, they discard them. And that's exactly what happened. He went from the townhome that was being rented for him to a studio, got back on drugs, got back on all the things that he had been on before, obviously never got delivered of, and then went back to his old ways. He went back to Satanism. He went back to the New Age. He had created a temple to heal people with crosses and sage and the laying out of hands by priestesses. And um, he really went off the rails do some research on him. There's there's a couple of stories that did some great research on him. He was brought to churches by Dick Bernal, um, but they wanted him to be married, so they did a public ceremony where he married his girlfriend. The problem was he hadn't been divorced from his first wife. It was a sham marriage, and they knew it. Uh, He was married two or three times. He got arrested a couple of times for assault. He was living in a a really burnt-down, run-down um, building complex where he was doing his, his latest temple and then crossing a street in Las Vegas one night. He got hit by a truck and murdered, killed. Oops, I said murdered. Enemy probably took him out. I don't know. What I do know is it was an embarrassment to the church. And I have yet to hear Larry Lee or anybody from that group apologize for the scam they perpetrated on the church as if they were great spiritual warriors pulling down strongholds. Larry Larry and I were talking about this today. And 
You know, I, I mentioned him a lot, and at the at the C conference, I mentioned a lot because I give credit to whoever I hear something from. And if I'm talking with somebody about something, I give credit. I don't take responsibility or credit for anything that's not mine. So we were talking, and he's reading the book by somebody right now. I'm not going to mention their name. And he was going on and on about the points that this person had made. And I said, yeah, but, you know, we've got to take a look at who's writing the book. I know the person in question. I've actually met with him and his wife and spent a long time talking to them. I know they listened to Reflections in the Dark. I know they read The Supernatural Battle. Some of what you're telling me they're saying I've heard before because I said it. That's okay. But they have no experiential knowledge of warfare. They're researchers. They've read a lot of books, and they've come to conclusions that have no practical application or testing. And I I told him what he said to this couple. He thought I was a little harsh, you tell me. We we were sitting here in Orlando. They were in town for a big uh, hoo-ha that was being done. I had to meet somebody that was there to pick up something, and we stayed and had lunch in the hotel. They went walking by. They sat down. We got introduced, and we talked for about two hours. And we were going over what SRT does, and they were fascinated with that. But then I asked them, so what are you, what are you doing here? Well, this is what we're doing, and uh, what are you teaching on? Well, we're teaching on spiritual warfare. I said, oh, really? Um, have you done spiritual warfare? Oh, not like you do, Richard. No, nothing like you do. In fact, even Russ Dizdard says that what you guys do is so unique that nobody else does it. But, you know, we, we teach it, and they went on and on and talked about it and what was being taught at the event. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. And this is the part that Larry thought I might have been a little rude. I, let me ask you a question. So when the spiritual stuff hits the fan, And these things come out in full power, maybe even become corporeal while the church is still here, and it goes nuts. What are these people going to do? They're going to throw your books and spin your DVDs at them like weapons? What have you really taught them that they can apply because you've never done it? Man, you know, they had that head snap back thing, and we discussed it, and and we— went over it, but my point was this. We have a lot of people talking about spiritual warfare. We have a lot of people talking about pulling down strongholds that we now find out were never pulled down. It was all a scam. There's even evidence to indicate that the whole thing with Eric Pryor was staged by Larry Lee to get his ministry to explode. Explode. There's no proof of that, and I'm saying that it was. it's being alleged But guess what? His ministry did explode. And for a period of time, he was known as the spiritual warfare guy, the pulling down strongholds guy. We've got to wake up and start testing the spirits. We have to allow somebody like Kanye to grow. We've got to let the tree to get some roots We have to see what kind of fruit it bears. We need to give him some time to skin his knees, fall on his face, maybe make a few mistakes, get into the Word, study the Word a little more. We need to see how this plays out before we condemn him 
or before we elevate him to stardom. I'm seeing two extremes. I'm seeing people reaching out to me going, man, this really offends me. Why? Well, look what he's doing. He's doing these big, big events. And yeah, but thousands of people are coming to the Lord. And if only 10% of them are keepers, he's doing a lot more than most churches do on Sunday. He just went into the prisons. He's giving out. He's doing this with a sincerity, no matter how flawed it may appear. Well, you remember what it used to be like when he, wait, that, that was before, this is now. We either accept him as a brother in the Lord and give him time, pray for him, stand with him if necessary, which I'm perfectly willing to do, and then wait and see how it plays out. But we seem to forget about all these other people we throw up on stage because they're celebrities or because they have a a popular uh, testimony. And then we don't check them out. We don't see if they bear any fruit. And we don't know anything about them or what the Lord is doing with them, if anything. It's an amazing thing to me to see how the church can kick one person to the curb and forgive the other. Case in point, back during the 90s, Christian singer Michael English had an affair with one of the singers from one of the other groups that was traveling with him, broke up his marriage, broke up her marriage. He confessed to it, took a sabbatical, and the church ostracized him, hurt him deeply. took a long time for him to come back and begin to start singing again. But then on the other hand, Sandy Patty was having a long-term affair with somebody while she was touring, confessed it, divorced her husband, married the other guy, took no sabbatical, and everybody was aww, and forgave her immediately. Maybe it was because one's a male, one's a female. I don't know what it was. But I found the hypocrisy of it astounding. We're living in a time of deception, of powerful demonic forces, and we need to open our eyes. We need to test the spirits to see if they're of God. Are they bearing fruit? Are they getting people saved, healed, and delivered? Are they preaching the gospel? One of the signs that something is real is if they're preaching the gospel and not watering it down, not manipulating it, not saying that they're a life coach or outright lying. We've talked a lot about false teachers and apostasy and all those things on the porch. I want to wait and see. I want to see how this plays out because let's get real, folks. He's reaching people at a level that none of us can reach. That album, Jesus is King, number one, went right to the top. People are coming to his Sunday service. I've never watched one. I really don't know what goes on. I know they they sing a lot. And he admits He doesn't really know. He makes a lot of mistakes when he talks. He's new at all of this. But I believe his heart's in the right place. Overwatch is going to take an attitude. 
of watching things from above. We're going to report on them. We're going to give you our commentary, our opinion. We'll bring in the opinions and the commentary of others. I am melding Overwatch and SRT in an aspect of SRT will be a part of the Overwatch show just like it was Reflections in the Dark. Reflections in the Dark was created out of a desire to confront the paranormal, what was being promoted on paranormal reality, non-reality television, meaning scripted, non-scripted television. Um, But it began to expand out of that. It began to expand into other prophetic areas, other end-time areas, and then really outgrew its mission and its name. And that's where Overwatch came from. I wanted to create another way to share with you these things. And then recently I decided that Overwatch and SRT, especially the SRT Facebook page, need to merge or work together so that the two are in harmony. So that's where I'm going to be coming from, which is why tonight was a little less reporting. I gave you some information, gave you some facts. I tied it in with my opinion, my experiences, my knowledge of the word and how I feel about that. The, I'll also be honest about something else. When I first got saved, I had a knee-jerk reaction to anything that involved my past. If I was a new Christian right now, Kanye would offend me. Now that I'm a little older and a little wiser, a little war-torn, bruised up, experienced a little bit more in ministry, I have a lot more patience and compassion for him. Because I know that everybody else sees what I see too. And if it holds, and if it works, he's going to keep drawing more and more people to him. He's going to get maybe other people in the industry to turn their back on it and either come back to the Lord or get saved. I'm waiting to see what the next stage is for what he's doing. God bless him. God bless the number of people that are uh, making professions for Jesus, that want to know more, that want to learn more, and he's smart enough to surround himself with people that know more. So I'm asking you to do this. If you're a Christian, I'm asking you to pray for Kanye West and for his family. First of all, that God protect him from the powers of darkness and then those in the industry that want to shut him up. I'm asking you to have God bless him, fill him with the Holy Spirit, both the gifts and the fruit, and for God to use him as mightily as he possibly can in these end times. Would you do that? Would you agree with me and pray like that? Now, I may have said things that you didn't like. Maybe you're a fan of Dr. Rebecca Brown or some of these other people, that's fine. Do your own homework. Get on the Internet and find 
legitimate sources and information and find out if what you believe is the truth. I've been blessed or cursed, depending on how you look at it, to meet a lot of the people that people admire. And I wouldn't cross the street to hear them speak for free. I've, I've learned something in my 63 years. If you don't want to see how the food is cooked, don't go in the kitchen. If all you want to do is eat the food, don't go in the kitchen. Because once you go in the kitchen and you see who's cooking the food and you see how the food is cooked and you see the condition of the kitchen, you may not want that food anymore. A lot of these preachers and teachers, especially the ones that draw 16 or 18,000 people, like today in Lakewood Church in Texas. Oops, Lord grabbed my tongue. Can't finish that thought. Sorry. So this was just a spontaneous, hey, I want to talk about something. I'm going to do this more often. I may just get up in the morning and post something. Maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes. This is going to be shorter than an hour. I I hope that works for you. I can't keep the Sunday night schedule. I thought I could. When I did it in the past, it was a lot of work. It was a tremendous commitment. Unless I was out of town or sick, I was here on Sunday night. My family would tell you, I didn't go out, didn't go to parties, didn't go to barbecues, didn't do all those things because I had a show to do. Well, I'm going to make the commitment to Overwatch, but I'm going to kind of do it from a spec op, special warfare kind of thing, meaning you never know when I'm going to pop in. The enemy's not going to know when it's going to happen, and he's not going to know what I'm going to say. And it's going to pop up there on Spreaker.com, and you're going to get the alert on Twitter or on Facebook, and that's up to you to listen to it. It's up to you to share it. It's up to you to let me know if you like it or not. If you want to support what we do here on Firefall Talk Radio, go to firefalltalkradio.com. There's ways to do that. To everyone that does, I sincerely, sincerely appreciate you, and there's a lot more to come. I'm Richard Grund. This has been Overwatch on Firefall Talk Radio. If we want to list every way Spreaker can help podcast publishers, well, we need a podcast of our own. Whether you're in charge of long-running series with extensive backlogs or countless limited series, you can organize and monetize your entire catalog with Spreaker. With Spreaker's customizable publisher plan, you can add collaborators, analyze extensive listener analytics, and even share exclusive content through custom RSS feeds. And that's just for starters. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Dot com.